0: Huge space! look how fast he's going, polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lord. rain soak are Getting the last step down, the crowd is roaring, he is going to do it, he's going to smash the time. Oh, Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Niedling. How's it? How we doing folks? Welcome back, it's Andrew Niedling and I'll be your host, this is Moving the Needle podcast. Hey, if you're new to the show, thanks so much for downing this one. I hope you enjoy it let's jump into our next guest it's none other than the legend kurt forres himself he's done so much in the world of mountain biking he was a real inspiration to me Uh, it was tough to get content uh, back when i was super young in south africa it was kind of before the internet and i know sven martin would bring me vhs's maybe dvds later and uh he would bring those in my summer after the season when he'd come out and visit his family and I remember putting these things in, and there was this section of Kurt Vorez. He was on a dual suspension jump bike. He's doing bar spins, tail whips, three sixties, just taking freestyle and it's kind of that skateboarding vibe that he had as a youngster to mountain biking. And I remember going straight to the garage, taking my front brake off, and figuring out bar spins. Later on, trying tail whips, backflips. And I think it was really because of him showing what is possible on a mountain biking, and that you can have fun away from racing. So. He was always awesome looking up to him. I remember going over to Norba for my first uh, race over there in America, qualifying just behind him, and I was just like in awe. I was just starstruck. But he was so friendly. Um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him, and he's still going hard. He is still pushing the limits, having a lot of fun. So check him out on Instagram. Make sure you follow that. And I uh, hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did because I, I just think he's got a great attitude. Came from a really tough upbringing, and it shows you what you can what you can achieve. So enjoy. All right, I'm back. I'm back. How's it been? Good, mate, and you, the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Yeah, yeah, shit. I'm. Uh, I've been uh, enjoying Arizona here. It's been a good time.
0: Dude, I was thinking of uh, our intro guest, and I was trying to think and write an intro that would do you justice, but I couldn't really come up with one because. <laughs> You've got such a, like an eclectic mix in your CV yeah. and repertoire. <laughs> Could you help me with that? How how would I describe you in the world of mountain biking?
1: Well, I'm I you know with me I I, I get really bored with stuff, so I'm always jumping around. You know I I love uh, I love making having a fresh new day of riding. So um, I don't know. I, I some people call me Jack of all trades. So I guess I'd be all right. But master of uh,
0: all i have is a legend of mountain biking the king of fun but at the same time yeah jack of all trades master of none is the same but you like an exception to the rule because you've mastered basically all like the genres i thought and like i was texting my brother before i jumped on the call i gotta go gotta go like i'm doing too much stuff i got a podcast call he's like oh yeah is it with kurt tell him he's the man and he made mtb rad and i was like exactly that I was so excited to get on this call with you.
1: That makes me so stoked, you know. I mean that's kinda you know, that's my mission. You growing up I, I uh I didn't have like a, a race background, you know, it was always about like running into cars and diving over the hoods for my friends and and um you know, if it was on a skateboard, a bike, whatever I had at my disposal to make my buddies laugh or somebody smile or, you know, that. So when I got into racing, it was funny, I came from like this BMX, you know, street, you know, raging the streets and skateboarding that when I got into racing, I didn't wanna like, be like, oh, I'm gonna win everything. Cause that wasn't, I didn't think I was gonna win, but I wanted to win people over by like, if it was doing a big jump, if, even crashing, like I love crashing because if you can pull it off and get back up, people are blown away even more, you know. Yeah, so they
0: love it, huh? Is that the skateboarding yeah. in you? Like because you're right, skateboarding, especially back in the day, and correct me if I'm wrong, like it was about progressing, landing tricks, video parts. Like even when yeah. I watched skateboarding and stuff, they weren't there were comps, but the guys really making it big were doing video parts and And I mean, to land and progress skateboarding, I mean, you know, and I've seen it, like you have to try hundreds and even thousands of times to just do one trick to get in a magazine. It was like, it's a totally different thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, you know, skateboarding when I was a kid, it's funny now, you know, watching videos. If you watch, if you take old eighties footage and try to put new music to it, it doesn't work because 80s music was really glamorized and it was all about movements. And if you watch the videos, you know, it was really like showing that inner, like uh, how you felt. So the writing, if you notice like Christian Assoy, I, I grew up with a guy like Christian Assoy who was doing big airs and he was looking beautiful while he was doing these things. Right. And Tony Hawk was always kind of like that guy that was coming up but everybody would always, you know, go off a Christian. And when I was young, I was like, I was around all this style. So for me, it was about style. And, you know, and I mean, even working with Sven, if you don't get something right with him, that skateboarder comes out and he's like, oh, uh, I can't, you know, I can't get that photo. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, he's not only
0: about uh, like his photo and the lighting and stuff. He's like, no, dude, you can do that better. And and he pushes you, he pisses you off, but he pushes you. Yeah. From the skateboard, the style, like execution is also key. Yeah. I hear what you mean with that. Yeah. And you definitely brought that to mountain biking and it rubbed off on, on all of us. I must say, like I'm, I'm honored, thankful to have met you. But at the same time, Sven, you brought up Sven. I mean, it's one of the, I made some notes and I was like, I don't think this is gonna yeah. be one of those podcasts with Kurt and Sven literally brought, had to bring me DVDs in South Africa because we're so far away from the scene. And mm. you know, there wasn't really, the, there wasn't the internet at, a, yeah. at what it is now. And there was no Instagram. And he'd bring me these no. DVDs, Kurt. And I tell you, when I saw what you were doing on a mountain bike, and I was I was a racer as a kid. Like I wanted to race. That's all I wanted to do. But I was dirt jumping. And when I saw you in that evolution, and you were doing barspins, I I literally watched the DVD, went to the garage, took the brake off, and I yeah. and I taught myself barspins because you showed me it was possible. And it seems yeah. like it's been kind of an ongoing theme of you getting bored and then seeing what's possible on a mountain bike.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's even what happened with me with racing. You know, I, it's funny now I'll I'll post stuff of me racing just so people don't forget, you know, in a way, and these new kids, they don't even know. They're just like, Oh, who's this kook? You know, I, I'm almost like, I feel like right now I'm like that, that trials guy, that that made it famous like back in my day it was like so like hans Ray was our trials dude that came out and made it famous yeah. and that's what they do but you don't realize that like there's a race under under part of it you know what i'm saying Like yeah that. there's
0: credibility there but even funnier you're almost <laughs> i'm feeling that as well it's almost like you're the old dude at the bar but you can still hang at the bar no but they're no, like, exact, like, yeah, what are exactly. you doing here? They don't know you're, <laughs> the cho- I don't know the yeah. Charlie Sheen of, of the industry. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, pay your respects, and and I hear you. Some of it I understand. Like when you sent me that video, and I just posted on Instagram. And this will come out way after that, but it's an old video from 2003, first year I made it overseas. Yeah, and you can see it. Like you were there, just progressing the sport and. Man, I have to thank you and give you props, and at the same time, like, are you able to reflect and realize, like, you've really pushed the sport of mountain biking, or are you just happy-go-lucky and just doing your thing? Like, do you well, sit no, back no, and go, I, like, not in the ego way, but like, shit, you definitely shaped the sport.
1: I'm conscious of it every 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 era that I do stuff, right? You know, um, even now, for the reason I do what I'm doing now is more because I'm old. And, you know, I'm 46 years old, going to be 47 in, in a month. And I just want people to, to realize, especially older guys out there, don't stop what you're doing. If you've been doing something for so long, don't stop. Keep going. Even, you know, even if life comes at you, you still have those moments where you can keep going and doing these things. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to sell people. You know, it's, it's funny. Some people look at me and go, um wonder, like not realize how old I am and what I'm doing. And this is my mission. They think I'm just going like, Hey, I'm good. I'm showing, you know, I'm doing tricks. I'm really good. And, and it's not really about that. It's like, I'm doing this at this age. So, you know, you can do it. If you're like a, if you're 30 and you think you're done, you know, like, I mean, I, how many times have, uh, racers world cup downhill racers got to a point and they're like, oh, I'm over it. You know, I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit because they weren't getting that that, um, you know, that feeling of, of progressing or doing well. So they quit, but progressing to me is just keep doing it because you're, yeah. if, if you're doing at a certain age, if, if I'm, if I'm still killing it at 46, it's better than when I was doing it at 27 for me. Like, I feel like I'm getting more out of this now than when I was racing world cups and, and was really good. You know, I feel like I'm, I feel better now about my writing than I did back then, and I just want people to understand that that right now doesn't really represent how how good or bad you really are. Keep going till tomorrow. Keep going till tomorrow, and you could get better.
0: That's awesome advice. I mean, you're just dropping nuggets already, and we've barely had an intro, and we're going at it, and I knew like we'd be able to do that. And you said, "I mean, 46 years old, so." Let's let's pause it a bit and maybe take it back because there are definitely going to be listeners that are like, I, I haven't actually heard of Kurt because I'm new to the sport and mm-hmm. I watch a bit of enduro, I race enduro or like, yeah. I don't know, I watch, I'm forced to watch Greg Minard because he's at the top still at an old age, but you're at the top yeah. on this other level. But let's take it back a bit and help the listener understand where you came from and what, got you to the point that I'm like here and all like oh it's so cool to speak to Kurt Vores and my first race over in America I, I literally qualified and you were in front of me behind me at Big Bear and yeah, I was yeah. absolutely shitting my pants because I was like and you had already kind of transitioned into the free ride race like so like you weren't at the top of your race game you'd already gone through that path yeah, and you were yeah. just doing everything and, and I loved that because you inspired me I mean I was at Seattle and I, I knew I was doing heel clickers and stupid shit no handers in the four cross racing but that was because of you but let's educate the listener about like who is Kurt Voris and where did he come from Yeah, like where did he come from yeah well
1: you know I like that Menar thing because I love Menar's killing it now because you know just like you we can post some old photos of us on the podium with him and go like yeah dude like you know we were there too you know, so it's rad having somebody who's there like Petey or those guys that, that continued racing that long. So it was really cool. But, um, yeah, I started, I started mountain biking, uh, you know, my first, my first events I did was like 1988. And this was just because of, um, Colin Bailey, who's, uh, he's, uh, um, enduro world cup mechanic for giant. He, he was racing at a young age and our, our families came together through a marriage, and, um, and, um, he became kind of my stepbrother and his, his dad, he was, uh, um, a CAD designer did, did, um, drawings for Yeti back in the day and did some stuff, did some trades. Colin got sponsored. Colin was really good at nine years old, was beating experts, like 15, 16 year old experts got a Yeti, um, was totally into him. Uh, they were on, uh, he was on their radar. So. Once I kind of came in the picture and started riding a little bit more uh, mountain bike, like I'd borrow bikes from them and go mountain bike with them. And his dad was like, wow, you're really, you know, you're crazy on these things. Um, I made a video of me doing backflips on my BMX bike and some other stuff, and he sent it in. And I ended up getting sponsored, and and it was uh, uh, John Parker, the owner of Yeti, saw the video, and it just happened. Missy Giove and Miles Rockwell went over to Volvo Cannondale. Volvo Cannondale was the new team. Yeti was wiped out, so there was no there was no riders, and there was a bunch of people in line that wanted to be on Yeti, but Parker's like, this kid's doing flips. I mean, this was 94. 90, Three when I sent him the video and there wasn't that many people doing backflips at the time. And, and I was jumping my mountain bike in in rhythm and stuff. And he's like, okay, let's see what you can do. And I had no real race experience growing up, just like racing. You know, I'd go to a cross country race, um, like 1988, I was like, you know, 17 at the time, 18. So I got into racing a lot later. Um, and once I was on the team, you know, traveling and everything, I, I you know, I was an idiot growing up. Like I was just like, nobody knew what I was going to do with my life because I'm, I'm exactly like I am now where I'm like, oh, I need to do this today. I want to go do that. I want to ride my dirt jumper. I want to ride my downhill bike, you know, or, you know, things like that. So when I was younger, I did, uh, um you know, I was just really, really mindless and would do things. And people are like, what in the hell, this kid, he, he's just going to end up in, in jail or, you know, something, you know, something's going to go wrong or he's going to do well. Um, so once I got, once I got sponsored, I kind of. I took on that responsibility and, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm a pro now. I want to, you know, I'm, this is a, a life for me. And I just, I just gave it my all. And like I said, I got into it just because I wanted to, I didn't want, I wanted to change that, that style from Greg Herbold, you know, neon doing, doing like a little tiny you know, maybe a tabletop or something, and I, I had this grand scheme of me doing flips, three sixties, and everything. Way, way back then, like I want, I thought a mountain bike could do everything it could do back then, as they're doing now. But it's just that time; it, it took a while, and I had to, I had to race through to get to the point I am now.
0: Yeah, because back then there was no free ride, and there was obviously BMX and stuff, so there wasn't another route. You had to go like the racing route. I'm <laughs> I mean. Sure I'm smart. Yeah, I could see it a mile away. Like you were almost this square peg being forced in a round round hole with all these prestigious teams and shit. And yeah. um, for the listener at home, I mean, this was kind of the beginning of the heydays. Like there was big salaries, awesome mm-hmm. outside of industry sponsors, Volvo, Cannondale. That was that was one of the big ones. I mean, Specialized had Mountain Dew. I mean, these are. I mean, I have Palmer's jersey from back in the day. The mountain you specialize and we'll, we'll get to him but you know everybody what strikes me money is,
1: too.
0: yeah making big money huh
1: yeah everybody i mean all i mean 50 riders were making top 50 were making okay, what, money
0: what i mean what was money back then i mean you can speak about it now you don't have to say personally but like a top 10 top 20 rider
1: when i first started was seventy five hundred dollars. would you win a norba and yeah, then that it was went. prize money that was prize money. That was the winner, and then it it went like five thousand, three thousand. You know, I mean, it it was a pretty decent amount.
0: Big bonus check if you did well. But what about like the salaries? Yeah. What was like a top ten guy that could do like a Norba podium and maybe a World Cup podium? I
1: wouldn't I wouldn't say there was like Miss so Missy at the time and and Tomac like this was like ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. Those guys were making really good money. Um, it, it it wasn't like one. One person wasn't making a, a bunch of money, and then it dropped. It was a lot of people were making hundred thousand dollars.
0: A lot of people making six figures in biking. A lot of people are making hundred thousand dollars. And that's not Just even happening everybody... now. Yeah, yeah, like they're making pretty... six figures at top guys, but the you know, yeah. like you say, not a lot. No.
1: No, it was it was there's a lot of money. And there's a lot of um, you know, component companies out there that were just making stuff and they'd be like, Hey, try this out, you know, you knew it was gonna break off your bike or whatever, but they would pay you to do it. Here, five thousand will, you know, do this. So there is there was always money to be made. And, you know, for you know, the best for me was racing slalom. I would qualify for a slalom, you qualify, you get two hundred and fifty bucks,
0: just qualifying. What they give you money for qualifying.
1: Yeah. Just to qualify. You'd make 250, dollars and, and when you'd start going through the brackets, they'd give you money as you're going through the brackets, plus you would make money um, the further down you would go. So sometimes I would come away – I mean this is me being 20 years old. I would come home after a weekend, and I would have like $3,000, and I'm going, dude, I made $3,000 this weekend riding my bike, and I didn't even win I didn't even come close to winning. I got like 10th in the downhill and, you know, I made it to like fourth round or something in the slalom, you know, i am like fifth place. And I came home with three grand. I'm going, this is unbelievable at 20 years old, like no education, nothing.
0: Because good, I mean, you have spoken about your upbringing, your childhood, and we've spoken about it and I've done a bunch of research and like at 17, you were living in a trailer, right? Yeah. yeah like you, you, you busted yeah. your ass and came from nowhere. So yeah. at twenty, getting—I mean, I spoke to some people. Yeah, like when you are young, getting thrown cash like that from what could have been—I mean, that must have been pretty challenging to deal with. Like, what did did you blow it all? Like, what did you do?
1: Yeah, just growing up, at, um, you know, a lot of the and, and most households are like this. Money is a big problem, and when you put drugs and money is the problem, you know, no money but everybody's doing drugs, and there's the, then we got a problem. And I was always lucky. I was very unlucky because I lost my father at five years old and, and, and from what everybody tells my dad was kick ass. He was like he was he was what I what I wanted to become, right? And what I'm trying to
0: become now of what I've heard. Still still now that you aspire to be I your No, man, father. I
1: still every day I live for him and I'm like, Fuck man, I wish what what would I have been with him? You know, I had all these other idiots raise me you know, in, in ways. And I was, all these people gave me all these influences, but what would I have been with him? You know? So I'm, I'm, I still really fight that, you know, like, that's why I keep doing this. I do a lot of stuff because he didn't, he wasn't able to live that life. So i you know, a lot of my, a lot of my, uh, drive is because my, my dad died young and I had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own, what was right and what was wrong. You know, yeah, that's so.
0: tough, man. I mean, I, I, I lost my dad, but I was lucky that I had thirty odd years of that mentorship, and I still I hear you. He's like, it's like yeah. I'm always like, what would he say? Oh, he'd love this. He'd be proud of me and my brother. Fuck, he wouldn't be proud of that. Like you just, you just fucked up. He wouldn't be proud of that. And you have that, even though you only knew him till you were five. Do you? What, what's one of your fondest memories from well, back then? It was
1: mostly.
0: It was mostly just because of what people told me, you know. And and
1: uh. the thing where I say I, I was lucky is, my my out of all the all the, the pond frog gene pool I come from, like, <laughs> you know the, my dad he was smart enough. He worked at this company where they they made you um, buy like bonds and stuff for your family.
0: Okay. You know,
1: there was a big thing at the time and he got me a couple bonds when I was born. And, and when he died, I had those bonds and, and I, I got social security money. So I think I got like a couple hundred dollars a month and that kind of, that kind of kept things going for my mom. My mom was super hard worker, factory worker. I mean, she, to this day she still works in a grocery store stock and, you know, really, really hard life. Um, but, you know, like growing up, my mom tried to give me everything I I could have, and then you know the boyfriends in between that she had that were you know shooting speed or whatever they were doing. That
0: was like you were like exposed to that, like you in oh, fact yeah, of you. Oh yeah, I
1: watched. I saw people shoot up. I watched people do lines of, of uh, speed math like all the time. You know, it was it was just part of growing up. I'd walk in on stuff and and I'd always be like, "You fuck," you know. I'd start yelling at them and you know, just be a little dick the whole time. I was a little dick when I was a kid just
0: because well, everybody. Was, we all?
1: Yeah, right. So I, you know, and I really wanted to. I I I had this thing in me that I wanted to get out of it. You know, I would pedal like I if whatever bike i had at the time or skateboard i'd push or pedal and just be like fuck these people you know what i mean i'm like i'm doing it myself i'm gonna do what my dad would have done
0: it that 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 clearly was a driving force wasn't it
1: it was it was it was really good drive and you know i look at it now and i go well maybe my dad was meant for me to die for me to live this life but then i'm like nah that's bullshit i would have lived this life even better if he was there you know yeah, so yeah. so yeah that was a that was a big drive and and you know, once, once the mountain biking thing came to me, you know, a skateboarding, like I was, I was doing little skateboard contests. It's it's really hard for me to like express what I was doing when I was young. Cause like I said, I was all over the place. I was catching snakes. I was, I was like messing with RC cars. Like I was all into everything. You know, I was just like, I was burning wood. I was melting plastic together, trying to make, you know, whatever it was, I was just a kid, you know, creating all these fires and all this stuff. But um, I really, really knew that there was something there for me. Like when I would, when I'd go to the Creek, I would run across the rocks just to get my, so I'd see how fast that my, my balance would work. Cause I knew I was going to have to use it sometime, be an skateboarder, I'd run up heels because I wanted to be a motocrosser. You know, when my stepdad came into my life that he changed my life completely, you know, was, was there as a rock. He would tell me about these motocrossers that he grew up with that ended up being pro and, and Oh, okay mind, right? So I was just when I was a kid I was just like grasping at everything and and you know, luckily Colin and his dad came in and mountain biking and and I just it all came together and it's very lucky. I mean I am so so lucky but I look and luck is only as good as your drive, you know. Yeah, it
0: only it might get you through a different door, but I mean once you're in the yeah. room in a shitty way to describe it like you got to yeah. work your off and sacrifice i mean it was, it was and, hard too and you i mean yeah it's not easy to learn backflips back then i was i mean you figured out like from a stunt movie or something to s- steal a bunch of boxes like cardboard boxes to learn those flips
1: yep i'd go to the grocery stores and get all their boxes with their produce boxes and all these just whatever if it was going to uh, kmarts and targets or all these little stores and and uh, got a bunch of boxes, built them up. At first, I had the boxes where the ends were out, and I jumped into them, and they all collapsed, and I knocked the wind out of myself. <laughs> and, I had to put them the other way, but yeah, it was pretty funny, just getting all that, all all that together. And and you know, I knew it was just like from skateboarding. That's how we got sponsored skateboarding. Is we'd send in a video, and and we would the shop would be like, all right, cool, you know, this is rad. We'll give you a little discount, and so I knew that they can see what you're doing and you can impress them that you can get your foot in the door. And that, that was, that was my whole, you know, that was my whole drive. Um, but then once, you know, once I start racing flips, bar spins, that shit's easy. Learning how to go fast and pedal whole different, like hitting a berm. You can learn a backflip in one day. You can learn. I, I can take mostly anybody yeah, fair enough. teach how to do a backflip but you, it takes you years to learn how to hit a corner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the that's just right. And what about the mental, like to, to perform? Now you start on these factory rides and everyone's like, all right, go win.
1: You either have to have it or you don't either. You're Greg Menard or you are not. I mean, seriously, your mind, some people, their minds are, are just connected to not make a mistake. And you know, a lot of the guys I raced with, I would get beat by these guys that I was better than, like technically better. I could do all these tricks, all this stuff, but their mind would, their minds were way better than mine. They wouldn't think about what they were going to get, you know, after, while they're racing. Like I'd be racing going, oh, I'm going to pay my car payment. I'm going to get chicks and everything. You know, I wasn't even thinking about first corner, second corner, rock section. You know, I'd be like, pay attention. I'd yell at myself to stop thinking about, what I was going to do after.
0: Yeah, but don't you think you can train yourself? Like you might not become Greg Menard under pressure, but I believe you can train yourself if you want to, but I can sense you were. You You can
1: pop them off. You definitely can pop off some wins and put, you know, I've I've put them together where I had some amazing runs and I was like, yes, I'm on the podium. Sick, you know, and, and for me being on the podium, I won. I won because what what I would look at everybody else. My, this is my problem: is I was like I grew up this way, and I had to deal with all this stuff, and I made it on the podium. You know, Lopes he he was expert at six. Who the hell's expert at six at anything?
0: Right? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: yeah. Who the hell, and Lopes was, and he was so hard to beat. But I noticed when Lopes lost, he hated it. He hated life. If he got second, he hated life. Me, if I got ninth, I was like, holy shit, I just got ninth. I just got ninth. And this is not being in 20 years old, like ninth place at 20 years old, being a bike racer isn't good if it's, but if like, but it's good if you just start racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Cause I came from South Africa too. And I was like, well, I didn't really dream of getting on the podium. And, and then your like expectations rise, but also I was like, I'm probably not even meant to be here, especially in the beginning. I was like, I haven't yeah. raced these courses. I haven't been here. And I'm not comparing myself to you, but I understand where you're like. It's okay. You obviously aspire to be your best, but you know what? It might not be because you've got to sacrifice and do all sorts of stuff, and have natural talent, and work at it, and have luck, and then maybe you can be a champion like a Greg Minar. But there yeah. are second place, third. Someone's got to fill those spots. There's nothing wrong yeah. with third place at a World Cup in the world. Still in the world. I made ninth successful.
1: My I've, I've I have a career for like twenty eight years. You, you know what I'm saying like i my whole idea coming into this was I wanted to be Dave Coleman. I wanted to hit the biggest flatty boom and just come across the line and get a podium or what and and you know whatever like that was my that was like I want to do that, and the other thing is I was hanging out with John tomac, I was going up on lifts with him, talking to John tomac I'm like this is fucking, this is mind blowing that I got to this point these people that were in my um in my mind for so many years and and in the magazines and and I did it you know and and I felt spe- like I felt special from all this stuff I had to go through like fighting dudes when I'm nine and all this stuff you know like Yeah,
0: you could have easy gone the other way with your life huh
1: up and all this stuff I'm like yes I'm this is I had no control when I was a kid now I have all the control and that's what I was like I'm I'm taking this all the way like Biking is my life. I mean, this is it, you know, if 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 it's not, I'm skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. But that's not working. But
0: I don't know if your body would last skateboarding. it's barely no, lost in mountain bike the way you push it. So you, right. you you jump on this team, you live in your dream, your ultimate dream. Like you're yeah. I mean, from what I'm hearing, I mean your life could have easy gone the other way without even being your fault. Like what you were surrounded by, like if you didn't have a good attitude and You've been, I mean, you always have humor. I remember seeing a video and you were like, everyone looked miserable. It's raining in Europe. And you're like, I'm going to put on some spiked tires and ride in the rain. Or you had some song about it. And yeah, I used yeah, to yeah. use that when I went. And I was like, it's fucking, it's raining again. I was like, "I'm me and my brother were like, we're going to put on some spike tires and ride in the rain. And you had this yeah. crazy humor and positivity to to these things. Like, what was some? what was it like going to Europe for the first time? So you're out of america out of your comfort zone on these factory teams and getting thrown in the deep end in europe unbelievable i mean this is what I, this, this i'm i'm
1: ai am uh i'm a renaissance man no i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very into art i'm very into art i'm into architecture okay. i'm into old shit i'm into like all this stuff i when i went to europe i was like yes like i couldn't believe it you know like a lot of these american guys i was with they're like this sucks There's no food everything sucks it's like bread cheese and meat And i'm like what the fuck you eat at home? Bread, cheese and meat. What's the difference? It's all the same. It's just different, you know what I mean? Like, so for me going to Europe, I was I was blown away just being in Europe. And this was like in 95, 96 Europe. Like this was fun. We could go crazy glue in the airports. Like, I mean, we were idiots having so much fun, but I, you know, out of I noticed a lot of the other people were just like, "Oh, worried about all the racing and everything." But I would walk around and just soak up Everything in Europe, like I'd look at the mountains, I'd look at like the people and and it was just something that I I, it just was overpowering for me. Like I I was just like, wow, I came from there and I'm here now and all this beauty and everything's old. And, you know, where I come from, it's just a bunch of Kmarts and they just mow them down and put them back up. And this is like stone, you know, like so for me, it was it was awesome. And then you get to the racetrack and you get to Austria and you're going holy fuck i'm doing like 45 miles an hour straight down these mountains and on these jerky bike like it was it was pretty amazing and and the riding level definitely like i didn't go into the norbas and stuff i used to cruise like especially 99 when i was really doing well i was a world cup guy i was like hell with the norbas i would go to the norbas and 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 you know i'd put my focus in them but i was a i loved world cups because to me they were they were f1 they were like The people there, it was, you know, when you're in America, it's all the same. When I was at a Norba, it was just like a bunch of hot dogs and potato chips and baseball. You know what I mean? But I go to Europe and it's sick. These people, these these kids I met, like when I, growing up American, we're told everybody else in the world has it horrible. Like they're just, it's all dark and bleak and nobody has fun. I went to Europe. I met people from South Africa, I met people from Germany, Russia, like all over that were happy as fuck, better than me, smarter than me. They knew like all these languages and I'm going, I was lied to my whole life thinking that America's (laughs) the best. I was lied to, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> these people are having just as much fun as me. They're amazing, and they're smart as hell, and they know all these different languages. I, I was just blown away. I was, it, I just, I, I really, I appreciated.
0: That's so cool to hear because I do see that some, and 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 you've just told me the reason. You know, you get forced this view on the world, maybe from the news and grow up in America. and I'm like, what. You guys don't want to come race in Europe. It's the F1. Like, you want to race in Norban, be comfortable, or you want to go and race with the best racers. Are oh, yeah, you don't know the food. But if you just take the time, food's great. There's all these different right? food. Like, there's so much Italy. variety. It's awesome to hear that because...
1: Oh, my God. Navigal is the sickest shit ever. Like, the, the track, it was... So when I was growing up, we my mom rented this place from these Italians, and they're from Sicily, and they didn't drive cars. They barely spoke any English, And there was three, three, um, family members that had little lots of property. They were like a quarter acre each and they would grow their own food, their wine, everything on this. And, uh, I remember the smells in their house. When I would go into their house, they, they made their own pasta. They dug out a cellar and they, they had, um, they made their own wine, everything. And these smells were overpowering when I was a kid. Like it was gnarly when I was a kid, I'd walk in their house and be like, Whoa, you know, but when I got to Europe, when I got to Italy, And we would stay at these, you know, these hostels or whatever, that same smell. It was unbelievable. And I was just, I don't know. I think when, as a young age, just growing up with those Italians, I, I, I really needed to go to Europe. Like they, they planted the seed in me of, of people that are different, you know, the Italians and especially with the Italians that I grew up around. They were, they're wild bricklayers, you know, there are some wild people, you know, and, and uh, it was rad just going going back to Europe, I, I, and I love it, every time, you know, Vincent, my, my team manager for Fox, I'm always telling him, bring back over, I want to come, I want to come over, you know, like, I had so much fun, like going to Verbier or, or those other uh, um, bike parks over there, it's unbelievable, like now, now it's
0: unbelievable,
1: you know, so, and, uh, I had a lot of good
0: times. So, back on the heyday, I mean, for the listeners at home, I mean, you're getting paid, like, six figures, uh, the ego must be rising. You're riding with the likes of Sean Palmer, your idols John Tomac, and and you're pretty got a lot of energy. And you've been quoted to say like you're only racing five minutes on a Sunday, like what am I gonna do with my energy after the race? Like, you got some wild stories for us, you know? Like oh, yeah. it's pretty natural. Well, like you guys were treated like rock stars, you know, getting massages oh. every night, cooked for swan years. Like, you, I mean, you were almost treated like royalty back in the heyday.
1: I tell, man, it's funny. I tell people I've got massages back in the day for 10 years. Like, I mean, I could get them almost daily because I lived with a lot of guys or I lived near a lot of uh, my teams that they're the team, the team manager being SoCal or whatever. And then the masseuse would live around there, too. So I would get massage. I'd be like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm going to come down and get some massages. And, and during the race week, we would get massages every day. You know, so we were always doted on anything we need. We just, they go, Oh, what do you need? You know, you roll into the pits, everything's there. It was, it was, it was mind blowing at a point when, especially when I started doing well, it was everything I needed, whatever I need. Kurt, what do you need? Do you got this? What what do you need? What do you need? So, and it was, it, it was awesome. It was, it was, and I never took advantage of it. You know what I mean? I was always like, I respected these guys. I loved everybody that I was with, but it was just amazing but Mountain Dew Specialized we got like the you know did you ever see the rig remember
0: the rig that yeah I mean I saw pictures of it for sure Well, when they
1: had it set up at the at you know at the races it was unbelievable Gert Jan had like the most amazing rig specialized it was probably a couple million dollars just just our our hospitality center that we would go into and you know we have the best food, they had cooks for us, we have yeah daughters. you had
0: hospitality like the motor dudes back in the day, like the mechanic side, and then you had hospitality for like sponsors to come and food and all that, yeah, I mean it was proper heyday,
1: perhaps in Majorca, it'd be like a two week majorca, just like every night eating the best food, like it was there was so much money being wasted. it was insane, <laughs> it was insane. and you know it, even at the races like. The Norbas, when we go in 99, 98, the Norbas, we would have these big before the race, you know, we'd have these big meetings and there were, food would come out. You'd have drinks like it was it was all catered. You know, you'd have rider meetings that the rider meetings would have food in them. And I mean, it was it was it was kind of like what moto is now. Back then but not you know i mean not as as big rigs and stuff but it was it was pretty wild gt had a big rig that they're running in like 96 97 so it was there was a lot of money
0: to be spent all the money and like everyone waiting on you to ever like build the pressure like these are corporate guys like they need results like what was that like that you were just kind of (laughs) could get flicked at any time that's like the the con of it
1: with uh sean palmer because all the everything's everything's like focused on him so when you pop off good results you're like yeah and even if you did bad you're just everybody was on him so it
0: really was so talk to us about sean palmer then like so for the listen at home he's, he's come up a lot on this podcast maybe you yeah. can help me reach out to him if he's doing all right like he he changed so well two sports and you got to know him and race alongside him. And that's when the money was big and Palmer was the shit. Yeah. But, yeah. But what was it like being teammates with Palmer?
1: It was fun. You know, the pro- so I always, I always tell this story, the worst part about, so I, I had, a, I, it was between Yeti and specialized. And of course, when you get on specialized and even now it's like this, if you get on specialized, you hit the top, right? As far as sponsorship and everything, it seems that way. Um, Until you're actually on Specialized and then they, you know, you're you're like, oh, wait, I don't have a mechanic. Wait, I don't get this stuff. Wait, I'm riding the last year's bike. Wait, you know, (laughs) but but back back then, you know, I was like, man, Specialized this is going to be awesome. I want to take this deal. So I get on Specialized, but I didn't realize that I probably would have had a better race. I would have had a better race mind on Yeti because. Waking up next to Sean Palmer and Sean Palmer, if, you know, people that don't know who he is, he's like multi snowboard, um, national champ, pipe champ. Like, I mean, the guy had just done everything in, in, in snowboarding. When I was a kid, I looked up to the dude. He was just like this guy, crazy clown hairdo, sick style would do the biggest backside airs. Like he was, he was rad. And, you know, Cadillac, all that, um, skateboarder can skate vert. You know, there was a time we were in, in Italy and they had a vert ramp. And uh, we're in gear, everything go by, and he's like, no way, ask the guy to borrow gear, full gear, mountain bike gear, gets on and starts doing errors on this vert ramp. You know, I mean, Palm was unbelievable. Um, and he, he, I think the, a lot of the, the reason why he was so good is because he can break down his competitors. He would, he would become friends with you, especially if you're the best, he'd become friends with you. And you wanted to become friends with him because you're like, this is Sean Palmer, this guy, and, and his energy and everything. But he would slowly break you down and tell you how much better he was than you. Huh. Okay. And you didn't realize this was happening. I mean, he would go up to everybody back in the day. like And poor uh, vuyo was – that poor kid. I He probably thought Palm was going to kill him. Like he was just always staring at him because he was the target, right? He's the best dude. But that's the guy Palm couldn't get to, right? He couldn't become friends with him. Nico was – He was held off like everybody's like, no, stay away from him. And those two wouldn't match. But me being on specialized, I'm on specialized. I'm like with my dude. He's like, yeah, you know, me and Palm are doing runs together. But when we would wake up in the mornings, like before the race or whatever it was, it was always like, look over. I'd look over at him and he'd be like, you're going to choke today, bitch. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to win. And I'm like, no, fuck, no way. You know, and I didn't realize what he was doing to me at the time. And he's just slowly breaking me down. And it was, it was hard. Because I don't know if you've ever been on a team where you'd wake up and your teammate goes, you're going to lose.
0: Usually. Well, no, I don't. I mean, just means? not verbally like that. But, I mean, I've been on yeah. teams where I know the teammate's first goal is to smoke me. And I didn't really give a shit. I was kind of like, yeah, like, I'm here to do my thing <laughs> yeah. and I'm racing World Cups. This is insane. But I can understand That's those games. And a little bit of me, I, like Greg's funny. But he can also drop a few things where if you're not aware and focus on your own shit, he'll be like, oh, you're running that tired today. Like, it's just a simple question. If you let it get to you, you could doubt yourself, right?
1: Oh, I know. I know Loris. I
0: know Loris. Of course, people play games, but they're like subtle. But Palmer is not subtle. I mean, I've got his race jersey, right? So I'm a kid in South Africa. He comes in 98, right? And me and my friend are like, oh, my, it's Palmer. Holy." I mean, this is the... The aura he had, we literally shat ourselves to go speak to this guy. And mm. we had the balls and we went to speak to him in South Africa. You probably were at the race. And um, we went up to him and, hey, how's it going? Cool. And We're just like, shit, man, you, like, can we have your goggles or whatever we asked as kids? I'm 13 years old. He's like, yeah. you want my shirt? I'm like, okay. Takes his shirt off his back. And then my mate's like looking. He's like, oh, you don't have any. You want my pants? Or someone asked. And he, so he left in his Denisi gear. And left the pants with my mate, and I have the shirt. But the reason for the story is, is inside the shirt, it said, and it was printed by Fox. So he would have had to ask them to do this. It said, I am the best. Inside the collar. <laughs> yeah. I shit you yeah. not. It says, I, I am the best. And apparently he had a few different ones, because I asked him about it later on when I met him.
1: Yeah. How's So you that? know that race. It's <laughs> funny. I didn't. Okay, so I didn't go to South Africa, but... Um, on the live feed of uh, – they had like a Eurosport live feed. He got I, – I can't remember what if it was the first year or second year. But <laughs> on the live feed, he's coming down. He has a front flat. And there's like a trash can off to the side full of like beer and cups because he's like one of the last dudes. I think he qualified like four. I can't even remember. But he's one of the last guys. He's got a flat and he's going down. You know how that flat ride is? You're going like yeah, this? yeah. And Ghost rides his bike into the trash can. Boom! And the, all the trash blows everywhere. And he just, it's, this is like towards the bottom, and he just walks away. He just, like, walks off. And it's on the, it's on the live feed, and you're just like, wait, what? Like, he really did that? And I, that was his poem. Like, if he wasn't, if, if something happened, and I remember that those couple years, all these little things were happening to him. And that's what he said. I hate mountain biking because you get a flat you you know it's just these little things and you can't make up you
0: know I mean? yeah like there's definitely uncontrollables compared to pipe and snowboard yeah
1: oh he hated it he was just like this sucks you know and and you know and and it was it was really tough i mean you know how mountain biking is especially back then it was i don't know how like now i put a tube in my bike if i get a flat like i get a rip or something it only lasts 20 feet down the the trail it pops again i'm like how the hell did we ride with tubes
0: <laughs> yeah like, fair I, enough yeah it, and
1: yeah but but that, those were funny times though with palm he was he was a wild man and being on a team it was it was fun like I, my me i was i was all about oscar and david like palm like i love palm he was fun to go do stuff but i like riding with with oscar Sayas.
0: yeah yeah i've got, got a lot of respect for oscar rode,
1: yeah so we rode the same and he was really he was really into the racing and stuff, you know, and and into breaking down the courses and stuff. And he liked to talk about just life. Palm, you can't talk about life with. You'd be like, oh, oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of down today. And he's like, bitch, you know, (laughs) you couldn't couldn't do that with him. So with him, it's like all like, rah, you know, talk about either what he's going to accomplish or, you know, that's it. Um, But I really liked Oscar and David. They were – they were awesome and i tried to i i tried to suck up all the all of their knowledge because oscar had asked oscar the way he had his bike set up unbelievable david was just an, a you know a, a masher man that kid super smooth light on his feet but would ride into some of the gnarliest shit ever you know so um it was really fun being on the team with them and it changed my it changed my perspective on uh on you know what it is to be a racer and how to break down stuff
0: yeah and at what point did you get to the point that racing wasn't for you was it like the add coming out where you want to do other things like at what point were you like i don't know you know like
1: i remember the day i was in uh it was uh Alps for a world cup in like 2005 and uh i remember sitting there and it was so funny you know remember robin bellucci yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, so Robin, Robin Bellucci and Cedric come come by in a car, and I'm just sitting in a, sit, sitting, chilling, and Cedric jumps out of the car, and the car takes off by itself, and Robin's in the in the uh, passenger seat. He's, like, holding on to the thing, and Cedric runs up, and he says something, and he's like, oh, I gotta go, and he runs back down the street and catches up with the car. And I was sitting there, and I'm looking around, and there's nobody there. Like, that was so funny, but there's nobody to see it, but... Just a few of us. No spectators. I mean, this is like, especially two thousand five World Cups were pretty much dying, right? You yeah, know, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that good a race to America. There wasn't any kind of racing. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, there's nobody coming up to these races. I've been coming to the same resort for ten years. You know, you know what I mean? It was just it just was so like over and over again. I'm getting beat by the same people, I'm getting seventh, I'm getting eighth. You know what I mean? It was like
0: Repetitive. Uh,
1: huh? I, I, Yeah, well, and I was like, how can I, how can I, do what I want to do, and still have the sponsors be stoked, and and, um, you know, what, where do I want to put my uh, motivation? And at the same time, I was doing that. I I had my All Ride Tour, where I I started that in 2003, because um, I wanted to do more of a, um, you know, more jumping my mountain bike and more like traveling to shops. So I got Fox MTB to buy me a a RV, and this was kind of right after my HARO days of World Cup, and I was in between – it was HARO and Santa Cruz Syndicate. So I went from specialized to HARO, and um, on HARO, I I won a a national championship slalom, um, which I was super stoked on, had some good podium results. you know, downhill it was it was great. Uh, the Haro thing was good. The bikes sucked. I'd break a bike every race. You know, they just weren't really a a, a, a race team. You know, they were using intense bikes, and then our our slalom bikes kind of sucked. Um, but I made the transition after after the Haro deal. I was like, man, I want to just go on the road. I don't want to sit in the same spots. I don't want to race World Cups as much anymore. I, I love it. I love racing, but I just we're just racing the It was just getting it was just getting boring. So I got an RV, went on the road. Fox gave me a bunch of dealers to go to. I started passing out swag to kids, going rides with them, and it was more just me showing up and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm with Fox MTB. Here's some clothes, some new clothes. Here's some stickers, some T-shirts," and it turned into something. Um, you know, we had a we had a good following, uh, good sponsors coming in on it, and then I Santa Cruz came along. Uh, Darren Stockton started the Santa Cruz Syndicate, and the Santa Cruz Syndicate in the beginning was. Syndicate means like different, different, um, different ideas coming together okay, to make yeah, one,
0: yeah.
1: One, one company. And he kind of built this team. That was me, Cam Zink, uh, uh, Nathan Rennie, um, Henry O'Donnell. And, and we traveled around. You know, we went to World Cups. We went to uh, like free ride stuff was starting to pop up. More jump things were starting to pop up. Um, I started to notice that, You know, like the Lynx Jam, what we put up. Um, you know, you guys doing bar spins, it just it all started to it's like It's kinda of like
0: the progression of the sport and you were always doing that from in yeah. before you started World Cup racing. So the sport was like catching up to what you had a view on it.
1: Exactly. And I started to see like more when I was racing World Cups. I'm like, man, there's this other stuff popping up, but I still want to race World Cups because that's where the money is. And and all the mindset of the the um, sponsors, you know, you couldn't really get sponsored to be a free rider back then and make a good living. It was really hard. Um, So around around 2005, I ended up 12th overall in the World Cup. Um, and I was traveling like 30,000 miles in RV and, and that day, I remember seeing that and laughing and just going like, you know what? I probably won't come back. I probably won't do this next year, you know? And, uh, and, and I didn't really miss it because it was just, I would, I, I coming from the specialized days and all that just wow, everything was super sick. And then you're in this parking lot with nobody at this race. I was kind of like, man, I need, uh, I want to get back to being excited and, and showing off for people. I'm there just to race and get beat. I want to show off for people, you know? So I just, after that, I just started more of my tour and and started riding with people more. And, and I ended up, um, Rob, I went to, um, him and, uh, you know, told him, Hey, give me a couple bikes and I'll, and I'll take them to the dealers that I'm going that are Santa Cruz dealers. So I was one of the first Santa Cruz demo guys too. So I had 25 bikes that I brought on the road. I had a big trailer behind a 34-foot RV. I'm doing demos. I'm getting bikes out there. I'm going for rides. And, and it, it just – that started to really gain speed. I'm making way more money than I did racing. You did?
0: Doing the demos and stuff?
1: Yeah, they're cranking in money. I'm getting – SRAM's outfitting me with 25 bikes. Those are all mine.
0: Yeah. Once you've delivered your value and done the tour, you can keep them. Okay. Guys, I'm
1: getting like, you know, I'm getting a lot of money from each of these sponsors because I'm bringing back, um, I'm bringing back signatures with, with, you know, signatures, names, addresses, and emails. Like I'm doing 400 bikes a, a year that I'm demoing out as I'm on the road. Yeah, You know, yeah. so this, it's, the sponsors are going, holy shit, this is great. You know, we're, we're budgets, were 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 up there. Um, and then, uh, Around uh, 2009, Specialized hit me up, and they're like, "Man, we love what you're doing." I had a kids team. Uh, uh, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz had this like junior team, and I was like, "All right, I'll put it back. I'll put them on my All Right Academy." And uh, I ended up doing with the All Right tour. I had the All Right Academy. I had seven kids at first. I whittled it down to four. Richie Rude was one of my kids. I remember when meeting Richie when he was, I mean, a little ball of muscle and going. Oh my God, look at you. And he shook my hand and my hand disappeared. And he's only like, you know, 15. I'm like, <laughs> you are massive, you know? And then watching him ride mud too, it was like, he he went faster in the mud. And I'm like, you're going to be a world cup racer. Like if you can go that fast in the mud. So it was rad. I had Richie. I had uh, Mikey Silvestri, which was another kid that was unbelievable from, um, uh, Tahoe. A couple of Sierra Smith was from Tahoe, a girl. She was rad at the time. Like just still rad like all these guys that i'm i was i was stoked to get these guys and and it was like kids that weren't really gonna get sponsored because they're a little wild you know especially the not really richie but the other guys were just you know they smoke pot or <laughs> drinking long ages and you're just like dude you know you guys take this energy and put it into this shit and you know
0: yeah you're one that could could lecture them you know what i mean you could have easily been doing way more sketchy shit but you decided to focus on bikes
1: exactly and um it was that was a lot of fun um and then specialized picked us up you know in, in 2010 and now I'm back on specialized again which is awesome and and specialized is one of those companies man when you're when you're with them they're they you know they poured on you in the beginning but you end up being a line item you know they're like okay we got you for three years and then we're gonna cut and I always knew this about specialized so I was like when I went in this I'm like okay I'm just gonna I'm going to do what I can to, they're going to help support this and we're going to try something. So we, we went full on. I hired a, um, a videographer. We were making videos. We had all ride Academy videos coming out. And, um, I was just, I was just really hitting it hard, just doing with all the social, like with be, this was before social media too. I wish we would have had like Instagram back then. Cause it would have, it definitely would have been a lot bigger, but, um, I think what we did at the time was we did a, a really good job,
0: and and from being like one of the top in the world to going this route, but it sounds like you made the decision on your own. You're super happy with it. I mean, a lot of races, yeah. like their whole identity is in racing or free ride, and then they force to step away, or they do. And and this is super interesting to me, and that's half the reason for the podcast. Is like it seems like you weren't bummed about it. You you made the choice, but some guys wouldn't be the same. They'd be like, oh, I don't want to. Go down a notch, but to you, it's like you just went sideways for something you wanted to do and worked your ass off it because people also don't see how much you work. It was funny doing
1: that because a lot of guys, it was when I first started doing the tour. I remember like a few people, if it was PD or whoever it was, they kind of were, I almost like thought they felt sorry for me in a way. You know what I mean? They're like, oh shit, you're doing this. You know what I mean? But it, and, to me, I was like, Oh, I was like, this is sick. Like I got this. Now I got more responsibility. I I'm doing this. Like I'm, I'm staff now. I'm not that, that the rider anymore. I'm taking care of stuff. I, now I got to, you know, tell people about the bikes and work on them all and do that. And, and I had a mechanic. I, t- I hired this guy, Travis at the time. And, and, uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but it definitely was it, it was different from racing. But I needed that. Like a lot of people looked at it like, oh, it was a downgrade almost. You know, especially people I raced with, they're like, I would never want to do that. But I looked at it, it as like, man, this is great. I can go drink beer with people. Like I go to the the spot. I don't have to worry about like, you know, the weekend not not drinking beer with the guys. And and I got to know the shop guys, and I really got to know about mountain biking because I my perspective of mountain biking was was from racing on the other side of the pit you know I'm on the other side of the wall these are all my products this is what I run I didn't realize what else was going on out there other products other bike stuff going on you know it was always about what I was running so it was good it was good getting to the to the retailers and being part of the shops to really see what mountain biking was and where it was going and that's how i saw that more people wanted to do the free ride thing more people wanted to jump more people wanted to not necessarily race as much so that's why i liked about that time and you know i see it now it everything that i that i learned on the road is kind of happening now you know with how the sport's going
0: and one last thing before you guys go if you enjoyed the episode please share it with a friend make sure you subscribe Leave us hopefully a five-star rating and review. I read all those reviews. It's awesome getting them. If you got any feedback, you want to send me a message, I get all those messages. I try to respond to them all. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun journey so far. So until the next one, stay well.